You're listening to the Manchester Vineyard Podcast. We'd love for you to join us. To discover more about who we are, where we meet, and how you can connect with us, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. Good morning. We are so glad you're here. Jesus changes everything. If this is your first time or your hundredth time with us, we're just delighted you're with us. These aren't normal times. This will not be a normal talk, whatever normal is. But I just want to do three things today, three brief things. I want to share the lie of the land, firstly. I think many of you are finding that quite helpful. Secondly, I want to share where we're up to with serving this city. And then thirdly, I want to talk about the series we're in which I've called the people we are and the movement we're part of. And as ever, I'm going to attempt just to share a bit of my heart. I'll put my heart in your hand because that's the people we are and that's the movement that we're part of. It's got to be real. It's got to be genuine and authentic, vulnerable and honest. We're, we're not a business. We're a family, but we're a family on a mission. And brothers compete but fathers complete we're looking to invest and to deposit something of the kingdom of god in each other that will cause us to come into the fullness of all that god intends for us um, i'm just warning you that's roughly where we're going to go today so let me try and just give you a bit of the lie of the land as is um, it's a hard time isn't it, in many ways. It's amazing though, I find, what you can buy online. I've got our guinea pigs now quite well stocked up with hay and straw. As a side, for those of you that joined us in the post-church chat last week, thank you for being so gracious. Our children love showing you uh, the guinea pigs online. Thank you for tolerating the chaos of that moment. But honestly, I just find it amazing what you can buy online. Having spent a bit of time this last week pondering if barbecue gas was an essential reason for travel and I'm not going to tell you where I landed with that because I think those of you that have been around for a while might know the answer but I managed to source it online and with delivery it was cheaper than I've paid for it previously when I've gone to get it um, just so that you know as well um, for those of you that are wondering how on earth I allowed stocks to run so low on the gas, I didn't. I was replacing the spare bottle. I mean, don't panic, of course I had a spare bottle. I would consider it illegal to run out of gas for the barbecue, even in a lockdown. But um, whatever, whatever you need, whatever you want, you can buy it online. Have, have you found that? Most things are available apart from haircuts. But, um, you know, it actually troubles me, if I'm honest, when it comes to how we relate to, to each other and how we relate to Jesus that that can be sometimes the mindset because you can get your worship here and you can get your talk there and you can get a blog and an article in another place and a podcast somewhere else and we can be bombarded with every message under the sun jumping in all sorts of quick fix top me up directions I don't know if you found that but that troubles me because that feeds into the consumer culture that often we can find ourselves anyway but what we're really missing what you can't get online is community and it's family and that's what we're called to be together as a church, local expressions of a national global movement. The people of God marked out by the presence of God living in a loving community and forming that among ourselves. Man alive, I miss you because that's what you can't get 
online. The church is a, is a family. It's a big, growing, expansive family. 235, uh, 232 times in the New Testament, we're called brothers and sisters. Church is not a place to go. Church is what we are. Church is what we're part of, and it's impossible to follow Jesus without being deeply connected to the church, because that's what we are, that's what we become, we're his people who come together. And um, for those of you that have never known that, for those of you that have only ever experienced something like this, af after this, honestly, you're going to come and you're going to need to come and join us. For those of you that took it for granted before all of this, I, I pray that we'll never be the same that we'll embrace each other and the community that we have differently. Hey, listen, if you're finding, though, this season and this chapter of life to be quite turbulent, that's okay. If you're finding yourself expressing emotions that you're not familiar with, of course, that's, that's understandable. Frustration and irritation rising. Honestly, I, I get it. We have to be kind to ourselves in this time. <clears throat> I may be wrong. But I kind of sense and feel that the season we're about to walk into is going to increase some of those challenges. I don't know if you've ever been to uh, a beach where there's been a shark attack. There's, there's a few scenarios that could be played out. If you've been attacked by a shark, it will change your view and your outlook. Sorry, your outlook. If you've been on the beach when that happens and it didn't happen to you, but you've seen it firsthand, it will change your view and your outlook. If you rocked up to the beach and the beach is closed and it's on a different day to when that shark attack happened and you weren't there and you didn't see it and you don't know anybody who was attacked who or, or who saw it and experienced it, but all you see is the beach closed, your view is going to be different. It's like, oh, come on, open the beach. I need to play volleyball. I need to have a barbecue. I need to go into the sea like the surf's up. Do you, do you kind of see what I'm saying? We're about to walk into quite a complicated season that none of us have been in before. I might be wrong, but I just almost want to prepare us a little bit just in case we do, as the nature of the lockdown changes and we see things and do things and all around us, we all have our own, our own ideas as to what's right, what's best, how the rules should be applied, how it should or shouldn't be interpreted. As we start to think differently about the next stage, I think that could be quite interesting. I think we've got to be ready for that. Hey, I kind of seen that going on for quite a while, but this is a new phase of that. You know, as they manage to um, work through this and they start to now understand, like trying to balance the threat of the virus versus the threat on the economy, we've got to keep being kind to ourselves. We've got to keep having maximum love and grace for each other, staying close individually and collectively to Jesus. You know, if you've been affected or know people who have, it's going to run deeper than just a fear that many people would have had at the start. That for them, it's just a boredom and a frustration that's starting to rise. You know, maybe some of you have hit like the, the lockdown wall over this last week. Communication is far harder in a time and season like this. 
But you know, many of you I know have had a significantly reduced emotional capacity. So when even the slightest thing happens, it causes an already empty tank to really start running on fumes. It's an odd time. It really is. It feels, in many ways to me, it feels like Christmas. I just don't even know what day it is. I've got no idea what's going on. And sometimes even the smallest, tiniest little thing that I've got to do feels absolutely exhausting. But when we hit moments <clears throat> like this, times and seasons in life like this, I think the key is to use the upset for a reset. Honestly, if you haven't yet, press pause, press pause, grab the moment, use it to grab hold of Jesus, to grab hold of your Bible reading in a way maybe like never before. The best thing you could do right now would be to become a more Holy Spirit filled you. It'd be the best thing for you, it'd be the best thing for the church, and it'd be the best thing for the city as we emerge from this. But we gotta realize we're about to walk into a time where potentially we're gonna see things slightly differently, all of us, our jobs, our employers, our schools, that just people are gonna process this very differently and we've gotta be kind to each other. We've gotta be kind to ourselves and we've gotta cling and hang on to Jesus. I know some of this is hard for some of you. You know, I'm going to nominate myself, if you can even do that, for the Nobel Pre uh, Peace Prize. Once we come out the other side of this, <laughs> just our children's toys trying to get them shared evenly and fairly between each other. It's been complicated. But we've got to find and help them, you know, take it in turns to love each other and prefer each other. The challenge is, though, as we get used to this season and the ways that we're living now, start to become familiar and it starts to define the new normal the challenge is that our desperation for jesus starts to slip do you remember in the first week or two our desperation our yearning our longing for god to move for the kingdom of god to break in for him to be our rock and our anchor in the face of the storm all of that for many of us i saw it was heightened and then we find a new normal we get used to it and it starts to wean and wane a fraction as we've got to fight, I would say, to protect that for our desperate longing and our desire to be in the furnace room, to have that at its absolute maximum, to find and stay in the place of longing and intimacy and utter dependency with Jesus. If you've not already seized the moment with some of your neighbours, I'd say seize them. Write them a card, drop them around chocolates or flowers. It will make a huge difference and they'll remember it. Some people um, in the church as well, I'd say do the same thing. Take a risk on somebody. You know, somebody this last week, one evening sent us brownie and uh, some ice cream. It was amazing. You should have seen me honestly debating with the delivery guy who, who brought it. I was like, sorry, sorry, mate, wrong house. We, we didn't order it. And he's like, no, it's, it's for you. And I was like, well, it, it can't be because we didn't order it. And he's like, let me check the receipt. And he comes back from the car and it's our house number. And he's like, oh, it's for Paul and Steph. And I'm like, oh, no, maybe it is for us. And um, I shut the door and the penny kind of dropped. Someone has just done us. Somebody, probably actually one of you, um, has just been really kind to us. Be kind to each other in this season. It's, that was an amazing moment for us. Honestly, I wouldn't want to be anywhere other than the church. I really wouldn't. It's, it's a phenomenal thing to be part of. C.S. Lewis once said this, and I love it. He said, I'm on Aslan's side 
even if there isn't an Aslan to lead it. I'm going to live like a Narnian, even if there isn't a Narnia. Now, don't get me wrong, I believe in Jesus, I love his church and I'm sold out on his cause, but if you're trying to work it out, jump in anyway. There's no better place to be. It's why I'm missing being with you so much, but I love that physical distancing, if anything, is only making us more creative in our ways of finding ways to show and to share the love of Jesus with each other and let it leak into the city as we spur one another on. This, this week, I would say um, I found it hard I found it quite painful watching some of my heroes, some of those that I look up to, seriously under the cosh in their leadership and uh, finding multiple challenges in the churches that they're leading and really just taking a hammering. Watching some of you go through stuff and feel an anxiety and a loneliness and some of the financial burdens, being in relationships but not being able to be with the other person, watching some of you feel emotionally and spiritually just depleted, all sorts. And I've I found that hard. I found I've actually found it hardest just some of the stories. You know, someone in the church this week phoned me up in a desperate situation with a lack of food and all sorts, not just people we know of not just people that we're trying to help and serve and meet needs in the city, but people in the church, in our church family, with desperate needs. Now, of course, we've responded to that, but that one particularly hit me hard. When they called me, I was feeding the guinea pigs. I was in my garden. You know, I have a garden. I was going to return to my house and my house with heating, I've got heating. I was about to eat my tea, like my third meal of the day. And if I'm honest, I just sat down and I cried. And I have multiple times this week as that particular situation just hasn't been far from my mind all week. We can't be distant from the reality of how this is impacting people. We redouble our efforts to do all that we can to love people and serve people. You know, remember the first week of the lockdown when we met together online like this, I said that during the cholera outbreak, Charles Spurgeon was exhausted, but he said it was worth it. I feel similar at many times. Many times I felt exhausted, but as we've said many, many times, Charles Spurgeon also so wisely once said, he said, I've learned to kiss the wave that froze me against the rock of ages. I want to ask us before we go anywhere else this morning, have we learned that? Are we learning that to allow all of this, whether you're fi finding it easy or whether you're struggling, would it be something that pushes us closer to Jesus, increasing our desperation and our yearning and our longing, blowing away the chaff, refining us and purifying us? You know, just to kind of clarify, really, if, if you're wondering, just before we move on, I'm, I'm not in a bad place. If that's what you've heard, that's totally not what I'm saying. But what I want to say is I identify with you that these are tricky times. But the place that we're steadied is in the arms of Jesus. Let's not let that or allow that to be anywhere else. As we are being and as our world is being shaken, Let's let the fruit that remains be the fruit of intimacy 
with our Father. John 4.34, this is a verse that is embedded on my heart. It says, then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes through doing the will of my Father who sent me and from finishing his work. We're nourished as we do as we're equipped and we're empowered and sent forward to love and serve and minister to people and set them free. I'm not just talking about Stephanie. I mean all of us. We're nourished and the nourishment comes as we do the will of the Father. Crisis has always been and will always create kingdom opportunities for us to step into and we need to be people that advance the kingdom, that step into the moment and the time that we're in. So if that's the first thing, that I was going to share. The second one was just to share where we're up to with serving the city. The relevance of the church in times like this and beyond will be in how we engage with the city. We're not doing a new thing, we're just doing more of what we were doing. We've always been a church with a heart for the city. We'll never go back though on this day. Things have changed because crisis is an accelerator. It reveals and amplifies the weaknesses that were already there and it also accelerates trends that were emerging anyway. And uh, we have to be ready for some of them. We've got to do something about some of them. So we were already trying to serve and press hard on serving the city and 422, the building that we're trying to use to reach into some of the localised need. The one pound challenge that we talked about a bit last week and the week before, really just trying to give us a push and a help with that to communicate it more widely. You know, the one pound challenge finishes in 13 days. We set a one month time limit on it. Honestly, I believe this is a moment for us to share our story, for you to share your story and ultimately share his story. What we do now and how we act now will change the dynamics of relationships on the other side of this. People will remember who helped them and how. I said, you know, last week I said my heart was in my mouth when we shared with our neighbours about the One Pound Challenge as we tried to invite them further and a bit deeper into the story that is unfolding among us here as a church. This week, one of them said to me, actually, good morning, I know you're watching this, but um, I'll give you a wave in a minute in a minute out the window but they shared this on social media they said Paul and Steph gave up their jobs in 2016 and moved to Manchester away from their friends and family with the sole purpose of setting up Manchester Vineyard but they need our help will you consider donating just one pound to this cause just one solitary English pound that really is all the difference these donations collectively would make would be off the scale. I know Paul and Steph personally. I can see their house from mine. They are the most authentic people I've ever met in my life and I'm proud to call them friends. So come on guys, it's just a quid. Honestly, when we read that, we were blown away. We're just inviting them into the story. We have opportunities to reveal Jesus in this time. We invite people into our story and ultimately invite people into his story that they might know and understand the fullness of all that he has for them. This week, we'll be moving our food distribution program, which has gone from almost a monthly thing to now um, a number of times a week. Um, and it's highly likely to, I want to say it's highly likely because anything could change and things are changing rapidly, but it's highly likely we're going to move into the Pakistani community centre 
which is just up the road from the 422 building, which if you then go further down is just up the road from where we normally meet on a Sunday. And uh, we're currently seeking to give people food packs, meal packs that would give them free meals a day for three days. Now we're moving into a venue, of course it's gonna have all the social distancing and, you know, but I wonder if this is a moment where some of you might join us in that. Would you pray for the people, the logistics, the relationships that were forming through it? But some of you will now be able to give more time to it. Currently, it's on a Monday, a Wednesday and a Friday, potentially. Uh, that will grow as the needs grow, but also as the teams build and grow to allow us to do more. If you can't physically be part of that in person, but still want to give time, you still can. There's other roles. There's admin roles, a few hours a week, maybe, or even just some one-off time to that. But, you know... Um, as we're now moving into a building, I believe it's more easier than ever to invite others into this, to invite neighbours and colleagues and housemates and friends to be part of it. If ever there was a time to expand this and invite people into our story, this is it. Now, I wonder for some of you, though, a lot has changed very quickly over the last few weeks. And I know for some, change is hard. You don't quite know where to hang your coat in a moment like this. Honestly, a lot is happening. But what I want to say is nothing really has changed. We said it before. It's, it's on the website. We wanted to say we're a group of people who long to do the stuff that Jesus did. We believe that a love for others and a desire to express that in practical ways is a natural byproduct of us spending time with Jesus. We want to build a community that finds and understands the needs of the city and seeks to practically and compassionately respond to them. We want to be part of extending the hands and the heart of Jesus to the city of Manchester and intend to be a church that gives a significant proportion of our time, our energy and our money to reach beyond ourselves and help others. Honestly, we're only doing what we said we'd do. It's the people we are and it's the movement that we're part of. Some of you, um, I've, I've heard even this week, you're trying to get into the prisons. You've heard that some of the staff there are being quite neglected and overwhelmed um, in this season and time. And of course you're trying to get in there and love them and serve them and do something about it. Because as we spend time with Jesus, the natural byproduct, the overflow, is that we find practical ways to serve some of the needs that we see in the city. I hope that's helpful for you to see that, to reflect on that, and to realise the moment of invitation to be part of the story. Then the final thing, I said I wanted to talk about three things. The final thing I want to do this morning is just kind of land on the people we are and the movement that we're part of. I've kind of done that the whole way through this, but honestly, I want to try and land this somewhere to give you something to reflect on this morning, because we're not a business. We're a family that is on a mission. I said at the start, I used a phrase quite quickly, but I just want to come back to it because I said, brothers complete, compete, but fathers complete. Brothers compete, but fathers complete. You know, the way we are and the way that we interact with each other should be different to the world because we know Jesus. We're not competing with each other. 
We are championing each other to become all that God has for us. We're looking to invest and we're looking to deposit something of the kingdom in each other that will cause us to come to the fullness of all that God intends for us. And we need to remind ourselves, I would say, of that, particularly in this next chapter. One of the main reasons that we often compete is because we're searching and we're fighting for our security and our identity to be valued or to be accepted. We don't realize that we don't need to do that because we can find the significance and the security in Jesus, not in ourselves. We find it in him and as we find it in him, it settles us. You know, during the, the, during the lockdown and during this last few weeks, one of the things that I've loved doing the most with our eldest daughter is in the evenings we've gone out on our bikes. There's very few cars about and we've just whizzed around the local area getting some exercise and it's also just brought a sense of normality um, in the midst of the craziness. <clears throat> One night we got caught in a hailstorm and she literally loved it, sheltering under this tree waiting for it to ease and pass a little bit. You know I found it quite interesting though just actually watching myself in those moments. Sometimes I've cycled behind her to shield her from the cars that are coming behind us. And I've made sure that I'm slightly further out into the road so that she's protected. Sometimes I've found that I'm out in front of her so that she's got somebody to follow and to know where she's going. And you know, as I said, we sheltered one night under a tree for a time. One night I've had to scoop her up and hold her as she's fallen off and is crying. And at times I've cycled beside her as we're going uphill and I've just got my hand on her back trying to give her the extra boost and momentum to get up the hill. At times we've whizzed, she's whizzed down hills and I'm panicking about how fast she's going. Sometimes we've had to get off the bikes and push them up steps and you know we've just had a laugh and chatted and that kind of thing. But, but do you see the image? Do you see the image of a father? Sometimes it's helpful when we realize we aren't meant to do this alone. In fact, not only that, we're supposed to be hungry and desperate for more of God in our lives. Life is so temporary and so fragile. And the point, the purpose, is that we come to the fullest relationship with the Father, that we walk hand in hand, side by side. You know, at times, You'll know this better than I do. I'm not a professional cyclist, but at times a cyclist would tuck in and ride in the slipstream of the front rider, making it easier for them, letting the person at the front take the brunt of the weather. That's, that's the image of how the Father treats us, and it should be the image of how we treat each other, that we get and we gain our identity, our steadying and nourishment from the Father, and then that flows out to others, we give away what we ourselves have gained. You know, we often use a phrase in the vineyard, I think I've used it before, but we don't, it's, it's often used, don't trust a leader without a limp. You know, John Wimber often used to say, I don't trust leaders that don't walk with a limp. He used to say, give me a leader who has wrestled with God and who has been shown the limitations in their character and makeup. The mindset is when we encounter Jesus, we realize we aren't strong enough to make it on our own. We become dependent and reliant on him rather than ourselves. And actually that's how we're created to be. 
So often I think we think that we can do it alone, but the reality is we can't and we shouldn't. Now, for a minute, just for a moment, if you think, well, I've, I, I've kind of screwed up. You know, if you think you've got a limp, you've got something about your life, your past or your present, or something that you're trying to bury to put on a face, to brave it so others don't see it and don't know it, so that you could be accepted, then honestly, it doesn't need to be that way, and it isn't that way. And if you don't think you've got anything like that, if you don't think you've got a limp, honestly, you're probably kidding yourself, because really, we all do. That's why he often said, I don't trust a leader without a limp. We just have to try and identify what it is and then put it in front of Jesus so that he can do something about it. Some of us, many of us, myself included, have loads of things. It doesn't all get healed up and sorted overnight. It's a process of allowing and inviting the Holy Spirit to heal us and to restore us. I'm not following Jesus because I'm perfect and got it all sorted. I'm following Jesus because I couldn't be further from it. And I'm able to acknowledge my need of someone who is perfect and my incompleteness finds completeness in him. Now, I'm not trying to excuse bad behaviour. Sin is sin, you know? But by acknowledging it and turning from it, Jesus deals with it and restores us. So if you've got a, thing, a list of things that you would consider counts you out, remember you're in pretty good company, you know? If you feel like you've got a limp that disqualifies you, actually it doesn't. If you acknowledge it and bring it to Jesus. There's a fair old hall of fame in the Bible about this kind of stuff. You know, Noah got drunk. Abraham was considered too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Joseph was abused. Moses um, had stuttering problems. Gideon was afraid. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were considered too young. David had an affair and was a murderer. Elijah was suicidal, Jonah ran from God, Naomi was a widow, Job was bankrupt, Peter denied Jesus, Jesus' disciples fell asleep whilst praying, Martha worried about everything, the Samaritan woman was divorced, Zacchaeus was considered too small, Paul was too religious, Timothy had an ulcer, and kind of to beat all of that, um, Lazarus was dead. And sometimes, you know, you kind of have to wonder if God prefers to use us, if he prefers to use the broken, the last, the lost and the marginalised, because maybe he knows that if he used the strong and the unshakable ones or those that depended in their own might, it could go to their head. They might become proud and they may think in their arrogance that they could take credit for the good stuff that God does in our midst. You know, I think God takes great joy in working through wounded healers. Now, I'm not for one minute saying God can't use you if you don't have a list of circumstances like those that I just listed. What I'm saying more is don't give up 
because of weakness or what you might see as some kind of limitation or dysfunction. May the Holy Spirit dwell in you and empower you to keep you going despite the times that you feel too tired, too unqualified or too wounded to keep going. The thing that qualifies us is Him not us. And the sooner we realise that, the sooner we're able to allow him to heal us up and to send us out. You know, what voices are you listening to that tell you you can't be used by God? Because we've got to overcome them despite the brokenness and press in for healing and wholeness and become aware that it's all from him and all for him. One of the voices that I think we often listen to is the voice of comparison. I can't do it because they do it so well. I'm not like them. I don't have what they have. Actually, I want to do that. I think I would do that better than they're doing it. That's my thing. How come they think they're good at doing that? All of that, that way of seeing things and that way of doing things, that temptation for comparison is not the business that the Father is in. We'd do well in a season like this particularly to foster and fight for grace and unity among us, to realise that the Father teaches us to prefer and defer to others. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, he says, let there be no divisions in the church, rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Why does he say that? Well, because he's seeing it and he's trying to nip it in the bud. You know, Ephesians 4, it says, His will will continue until we, continue, until we come to such unity and faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. A unity among us that matures us, that's the place we find the fullness and the completeness of all God wants to deposit on us and among us. All of this, I think, moves us from, I need to change them, to actually the realisation, I need to change myself. Or they need to sort that out to the realisation of actually, I need to sort myself out. That switches us to allow something really quite wonderful when we do that to flow among us. It's times like this that, that stuff spills out, you know, and it's not always pretty. But we get the chance to change. God is the God of second chances. The Holy Spirit is God's agent to help us be changed. I think we'd do really well to dwell on this just a little bit personally, even this week, to take some time to reflect on it, because the enemy's pretty sly. He tries to rob us as a church, not just us as a church, but actually the global church, but I'm talking to us as a church. He does it in a number of ways. I think, firstly, he makes us think we can't. And if he doesn't win that one, the second thing he often does is, even if we try, he makes us think that others could do it better. And then the third one, if we manage to get through that obstacle, is if we do get up and get on with it, what he has for us, he then tempts us to bash somebody else down to make us feel better. You know, Jesus didn't ever operate like that. He never stood on somebody else to fulfill or to meet a need in him. He'd have his need met in his father, in our father. And having his need met in his father gave him the authority and the security to then invest what he'd found for himself into others. Do you, do you see that? We've got to find the limp and we've got to allow Jesus to heal it and to restore it. The worst thing in our lives is not pain. 
the worst thing in our lives is wasted pain that doesn't make us wiser or more sensitive to other people's pain. The worst thing in our lives is not pain, it's wasted pain. It's pain that doesn't result in any good for us or good for others. You know, we've got faith for you. We really have. We've got faith that as you allow the Holy Spirit in more and more, he'll change you and he'll refine you. It's remarkable how often we could see it that day to day nothing changes, but when you look back, nothing is the same if we've invited him in and we've allowed him to refine us. It starts with each of us, a desperate cry in our hearts for the Holy Spirit to make us more like him, yielding and longing and desperate for his will to become more in our lives and we are seeking obedience. I believe that when we begin to change, the church begins to change. When the church begins to change, society begins to change. You know, what are we dreaming of for our city? Honestly, what's the dream in your heart? Did you know that in the 1830s, Ardwick was one of Manchester's first affluent suburbs? It was home to some of the city's most rich and successful people. And yet now it's seeing some hard times fall on it. It's got some of the highest levels of poverty, not just in the city, but in the country. What if part of the restoration what if part of the rewriting of the story that God is doing is to rewrite our story? What if we were changed and then he'd use us to rewrite the story of an area, to rewrite the story of a city? Now, if you think I've been in lockdown for too long and I'm just daydreaming and thinking beyond reality, isn't that what God has always been doing? choosing and forming a people to bring change to an area and a community and let that trickle out further. And yet often the only stumbling block has been if the people are willing. So can I ask you, what's your dream for this city? Do you weep over the lost? Those that don't yet know Jesus. Those that aren't been fed in this time, those that have been abused, those that have been trafficked, those that are caught in crime, those that are lonely, those that are unemployed, those that don't have a purpose. I think he's trying to break our hearts for him, that our hearts would break for each other and that our hearts would break for this city. And when we realise our weakness and our brokenness, we realise our desperate need and longing for him and we invite him into that place. Something is stirring. Without a doubt, something is stirring. It's just whether or not our hearts are postured to receive it and to respond to it. What are you dreaming of for our city? I'm dreaming of change. But where does that start? It starts in us. Therefore, if we're open and we're willing, then as Paul said in Philippians 1.6, he said, I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished when Christ Jesus returns. Why don't we just take some time to rest and dwell in the presence of God. I'm just going to invite Steph to join me as we do that. It might help if you close your eyes, just remove some of the distractions that may be now fighting for your time. Let's just take some time to allow him through God's change agent, through the Holy Spirit to come and make us more like him. Father, we welcome you.
Thanks for listening. To find out more, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. Thank you.